0: Afternoon, you're listening to 90.7 FM,
1: K-A-L-X. I'm Franklin and this is Berkeley Grox. That's right, it's a weekly look at the world of science, technology, and their effects on our daily lives. I'm Charles Lee. Coming up on today's
0: show, Uncontrollable Laughter, Nano Antennas, and Oily History.
1: In addition, we'll be joined by Ms. Monique Sullivan, who will talk about the Million Home Solar Initiative.
0: Also, we'll find out
1: why slugs don't like salt. So stay tuned for all this, plus the world famous question of the week coming right up here on Berkeley Grox. Welcome back to Brooklyn Grocks. I'm Frank Ling. And I guess that makes me Charles Lee. How are you doing, Frank? Pretty good. It's always fun to be back on the show. I look forward to this all week, every week. You know, my life basically revolves around Wednesday. And some beer. <laughs> <laughs> for me, uh, I've moved up to the hard stuff. Ah. It's now sake. It's
0: the only thing that doesn't get me drunk for some reason.
1: <laughs> so, like, a roast beef will get you drunk? No, it just gets me wild. <laughs> <laughs> Usually when it's undercooked.
0: So, uh, Charles, do you suffer from EI? It's emotional incontinent, also known as the pseudo-bulbar effect, or pathological laughter. <laughs> and it happens in people who suffer from diseases like amyotropic lateral sclerosis or Parkinson's.
1: Okay, so they're just not able to control their emotional uh, state.
0: So actually, they have these uncontrollable bouts of laughter unrelated to any joyful emotion, and it's just a neurological spasm. So an
1: autonomic response, yeah. Yeah. Huh.
0: Unfortunate, because these people may have been the ones who burst out of laughter at times like business meetings mm. or, uh, say, a
1: funeral. Or like now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I laugh when I hear about science. (laughs) Is it related actually to uh, Tourette's Syndrome at all? Because I I would imagine the neurological phenomena that takes place, it probably degrades the same circuits that are involved in the checking process that goes on in Tourette's.
0: Possibly. These people also suffer from uh, fits of uncontrollable crying and, you know, have outbursts of anger and rage. Mm. So basically it's having these physical reactions to emotions which
1: Mm. are uncontrollable. Kind of like the beast that realms within the Hulk. (laughs) (laughs) Release your
0: anger. Some people are now working on a drug. Drug that could tame this beast. <laughs> Don't make them angry.
1: You <laughs> wouldn't like them when they're angry.
0: Anyway, so this is a real disorder and this hope for cure. And if anyone wants to know more, it's a very nice article in New Scientist, June 11th edition.
1: All right, Frank. Uh, so, how old life on Earth? How old is that? Four point five billion. Pretty close. Apparently, new records have shown that life was teeming around three point five billion years ago. Wow, teeming with what, though? Well, I guess that is the question. Uh, presumption is that a lot of microorganisms. Wow, when bacteria really ruled the day, huh? It's like the VH1 special when plankton ruled the earth. <laughs> group of geologists led by Berger Rasmussen of the University of Western Australia, analyzing oil drops in very old rocks and the question was, how were these oil drops generated? Was it generated by the decay of organic matter or through some other process? Non-organic. And they did a number of interesting analyses, basically figuring what it was, and it found out that in fact this oil that was in these old rocks actually came from organic matter. Wow, so
0: does this give us any, a better indication of what life was like back then?
1: It certainly gives us a better indication of how promiscuous life was at that point in time. Promiscuous? Yeah. It's like a disease uh, then. Well, uh, no. you know, it, it was the fun-loving 3.5 billion years ago, man. That was party central. <laughs> Everyone was doing it back then. I mean, this is actually fascinating because it says that life was teeming only a, a mere billion years after the planet was formed.
0: Wow. And I guess religion is now the cause of uh, life declining, huh?
1: <laughs> but anyway, so this is very fascinating work, and it was published in the recent edition of Geology.
0: So can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Hello? 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 Hello. You can't hear me now. How's it going?
1: Pretty good. Wait, I can't hear you anymore.
0: Oh man, I guess you should use one of those radio telescopes, though. You know, I don't have one on my cell phones. So there's a plan by the FCC and the FAA to allow cell phones on airplanes, but this would bring a major problem to astronomers, because the second harmonics of these frequencies used by a cell phone are often the signatures of what astronomers are looking for in <laughs> planet-forming stars. And considering that the cell phone is a lot closer to the telescope than the stars, it would be this loud noise that wipe out all their other relevant signals, yeah. What can't
1: they just subtract it out? That'd be hard.
0: We're talking about hundreds of flights and hundreds of passengers, each with their own cell phone. The Federal Aviation Administration is looking to see whether it will interfere with instruments on the plane. Right. Apparently a lot of people want to have cell phones, but there's also many people who just want those machines to be shut off during the
1: flight. Right. I kind of enjoy just the fact that there's a time when people can't even talk on their cell phones. Blissful peace, I guess. That's right. At least I got that going for me. Yes. Which is nice.
0: But I guess if anyone's concerned that cell phones will actually interfere with Extra slow research, then they should send their messages to the
1: FAA or the FCC. <laughs> yeah, they're they're very responsive to queries. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, moving from massive radio antennas to nano antennas. I got one of them in my ear. I can hear everything. Oh wow! What are you hearing? Mostly garbage. <laughs> Jerry Springer. He's on my wavelength for some reason. It's just the BBC controlling you from London, my friend. <laughs> So it turns out, actually, a group of researchers have now developed micro antennas that can be used to pick up light waves. So are these the radio frequency ID tags that people have been talking about? It's actually beyond radio frequencies. It's into the light wave frequencies. Okay. You know, radio frequencies, they can get away with using large pieces of metal because the wavelength of radio waves is quite large. Right. But light waves, of course, are much smaller, and you need to measure its size. Uh-huh. And so a group of researchers have done this. They've developed an antenna, basically a nano antenna, a layer of gold cut into a glass slide. Wow. So what are some of
0: the possible applications with these kind of devices?
1: Well, so that's very interesting because they're thinking it could basically be used to direct and amplify the light from single atoms or quantum dots. Okay. And they propose that this could be essentially the interface for wiring in super tiny computers, you know, nanocomputers, uh-huh. and provide the interface between traditional fiber optic cables right. and quantum integrated circuits.
0: So instead of using electric signals, you have light signals, and these devices could act as
1: transistors for these bits right, of light because it would change the light energy into electrical energy. Awesome. So very fascinating work. It was announced in a recent edition of Science. And that's all for a look at recent developments in the world of science and technology. You're listening to Berkeley Grox here on 90.7 FM KALX. Well, coming up next, Ms. Monique Sullivan will join us to discuss the Million Home Solar Initiative. So stay tuned.
2: Amar seu olhar, seus lábios beijar é viver À luz do luar, eu fico a pensar em você Um verso que diz, serei tão feliz de amor perdido estou por você seu beijo sensual carícia ideal não posso esquecer e vivo a sonhar seu Se nome é chamar só penso em você Perdido de amor, perdido estou. Perdido de amor, perdido estou por você. Seu beijo sensual, carícia ideal, não posso esquecer. penso em você Perdido de amor Perdido estou
0: back to berkeley grox we are entering a period of energy crisis after consumers spent the last century with a heavy dependence on fossil fuels some groups project oil and gas production will irreversibly decline within the next 10 years if not sooner yet despite these projections the federal government expects non-renewable resources to increasingly provide most of the nation's electricity throughout the foreseeable future but not in california in what's been called the most ambitious solar initiative ever proposed in the US, the state has launched a plan to power a million homes due to solar power and leading the campaign for this initiative is Environment California and joining us today is Monique Sullivan, campaign director here in San Francisco. Uh, Ms. Sullivan, thanks for joining us today on Berkeley grocks
3: No problem, thanks for having me on.
0: So, first of all, could you tell us a little bit about your organization, uh, Environment California?
3: Uh, sure, I'd be happy to. Environment California is a statewide citizen-based advocacy group. Uh, it's been working in California under both the name CalPerg and Environment California for the last three decades uh, to fight on behalf of the public interest in, in the state of California. And our priority right now is to basically set it up so that California has the strongest environmental policies in the country and that California is leading the way on environmental protection.
0: So tell us a little bit about this uh, Million Homes Initiative and how uh, Environment California plans to uh, raise public awareness for it.
3: Uh, The bill is actually called the Million Solar Roofs Bill, Uh, so it's SB1, and the bill is designed to set up a set of initiatives and rebates for homeowners to drive down the cost of solar power and make it more affordable for your average homeowner because that really is the biggest hurdle. Uh, Your average homeowner cannot afford to pay anywhere from twelve to twenty thousand dollars to install solar paneling on their homes. This will drive down on that cost, make it more affordable, and really just kickstart the solar industry in California, which is what we need. And our role in making that happen is that the first step is that we actually wrote the bill. Uh, and our working to push that bill through the state senate and through the state assembly and get that bill onto the governor's desk. At the grassroots level, my office and eight other offices across the state are in charge of building the necessary public support to make sure that our decision makers do the right thing when the bill comes before them. And So here in San Francisco, my office's role is to actually go out into busy public places every day and ask people if they have a minute for the environment and if they do, tell them about our campaign and ask them to become involved as members of Environment California uh, and to sign petition signatures as well for this campaign. So in this in this way we are going to slowly but surely build the necessary public support and mobilize the public support necessary to pass this bill.
0: So tell us why should we adopt solar energy? What kind of projections do we expect with electricity in the next 5, 10, 15 years?
3: Well, I mean, the biggest thing is that we know that there is only so much oil and gas left in the ground. And so whatever those projections are, they're going to decline over the course of the next few years. We know that with renewable energy, we're looking at something that we won't run out of for a long time. There's plenty of sunlight in California. In fact, it's one of the sunniest places on Earth. And every minute of the day, the sun rains down enough energy in California to power our energy demands for an entire year. So this is just a resource that we should jump on this opportunity to take advantage of it, as opposed to continuing to rely on dirty forms of power that we know are going to run out.
0: So what are some of the myths of uh, solar electricity? Uh, what do you say to the detractors who, uh, who criticize its viability?
3: I think the biggest myth is, is not so much a myth. It's just that the culture right now doesn't really embrace solar power. It's kind of a backwoods hippie thing or it's you know, so the Malibu mansion thing. And it's it's a very not a very common thing. And I think the biggest reason is that people don't know a whole lot about it. And they also just don't can't afford it. And so between those two things, it just hasn't become that sort of common standard, you know, suburban mom and dad have solar panels on their houses kind of thing. And that's one of the things we hope to achieve with this bill is to make it such a common thing that your average homeowner will think to themselves, of course, why wouldn't I have solar paneling on my house? And I think that's the biggest thing. There aren't a lot of myths about it. It's more just that it isn't very common and and we need to get it into the hands of people and make sure they know how it works and make sure they can afford it.
0: In terms of affordability with these rebates and these programs, um, how does it compare to, you know, getting electricity? just off the grid.
3: It's going to be a lot cheaper, as a matter of fact. Most homeowners who take advantage of these incentives and rebates and go ahead and install solar paneling on their homes will see a dramatic decrease in their energy bill. In fact, not only will they see a decrease in their energy bill, but through this program, they will also be able to sell off any extra energy that their solar panels are producing back to the energy grid. So they'll be making a profit through that as well. So across the board, this is just the most economically viable option for most homeowners as well.
0: But at this point, PG&E doesn't allow you to sell back electricity for profit is
3: that correct? That's correct so this bill would change that.
0: But one of the issues with uh, this initiative is to provide sustainable living especially for low-income and affordable housing units. Are there any like programs like say Hunter's Point where they're trying to do urban redevelopment using uh, renewable energies as part of their infrastructure?
3: I don't know of any specific programs if that's what you mean. I mean our focus is just on getting this bill passed obviously and, and I think the effect and outcome of passing this bill again, is that it will drive down that cost of solar power. Obviously, initially, it drives down the cost for your individual homeowners, but as we expand that market and demand increases, the price will decrease. And so this means that solar paneling will be more affordable for low-income developments, for landlords, for businesses, for everyone. The, the idea is that it dramatically decreases the cost of solar panels and makes it more affordable for everyone, not just, you know. Because right now, that is the problem, is that people, the people who can afford to put solar paneling on their homes are the wealthier end of things. And this will make literally just sort of make that technology more accessible to your average. So I think this will benefit low-income neighborhoods in the sense that it will lower that cost for housing developments, for landlords, for you know businesses in small communities. The other thing is that especially for a place like Bayview or Hunters Point, for those types of places, these are the types of neighborhoods that power plants get built in. And so one of the biggest things that I'm excited about seeing is that if this bill passes, this will basically replace six dirty power plants over the next decade that we would need to build to meet our increasing energy demands in California. And it's neighborhoods like Bayview and Hunters Point where those power plants would be built, and this means that they will not have new power plants built in their neighborhoods, and eventually we want to see a situation in which there are solar panels on every house and communities like that don't have to have power plants in their backyards at all. So I think this is the first step in a very long process that will help these communities to be much healthier, much more energy-independent, and much cleaner.
0: Are there any uh, current success stories or ongoing projects of solar at this point?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think there are a lot of success stories in the Bay Area. There are companies. companies that, you know, like Occidental Power and Next Energy that are sort of at the forefront of developing good businesses that can provide solar paneling and solar technology to homeowners and business owners. So there's a lot of good stuff happening in the Bay Area. There are small businesses that are starting to grow in this field, and I think this bill and the economy that it sets up for solar power will only help to kickstart that industry even more. Um, And then with the UN World Environmental Day, there's a solar array and a solar-powered fountain being built in Civic Center. Uh, So there's just a lot of exciting things happening around that.
0: Okay, well, I guess we're a little bit out of time. Are there any last words you'd like to add about yourself or uh, Environment California?
3: Just not so much about myself or Environment California, but just that anyone who's listening to this program should take that one minute to call their decision maker and urge their decision maker to vote in favor of the Million Solar Roofs Bill, because this is the best step that California can take towards energy independence, reduced air pollution. This just makes sense, and our decision makers need to take the take the action to make it happen. So everyone should call their decision makers and ask them to do that. Do you know when the final vote will be? The bill is in the Senate right now. um, And it will, the final vote in the Senate will be sometime in the next couple of weeks. And then there's a recess and then it'll go into the Assembly. So we won't know until the middle of September whether the bill is passed finally. And at every step along the way, we could use as much pressure from the public as possible to make sure that it does pass.
1: Great. Thanks for joining us on Berkeley Rocks today.
3: Sure. Thanks for having me.
1: And you were just listening to Ms. Monique Sullivan talking with Frank Ling about the Million Home Solar Initiative. You're listening to Berkeley Gronks here on 90.7 FM KALX. Well, coming up next, you can find out why salt and slugs don't mix. So stay tuned. here on 90.7 FM KALX. Well, have you ever wondered why slugs and salt don't mix? Here's the Wicked Witch of the West with the answer to last week's Question of the Week. No, my pretties, it is the Wicked Witch of the West. Want to play ball with some salt? Well, not if you're a slug. Why does it melt so? Well, it's due to osmotic pressure. <laughs> with little tiny drops of water slowly,
0: slowly melting them away. Poor, poor slug. My mama used to say life is like a box of chocolates, but you know when you have a little too many, you get a little bit fat. But now we got the solution called liposuction. What is it and how does it work? If you know the answer, or I think you know how it works, email us at grox at hotmail.com. You won't win anything, but you might just keep that girlish figure.
1: And that's all for this week's edition of Berkeley Grox. Make sure you tune in next week for more from the world of science and
0: technology. If you'd like to contact us here at Berkeley Grox, email us at, groks at hotmail.com.
1: For Berkeley Grox, I'm Frank Ling. And I'm Charles Lee. Make sure you also see us on the web at www.grox.net. Have a great afternoon and stay tuned for more music with your host, Matthew Africa.
4: Or I might have to do something unpleasant. Like this. That was fun, wasn't it? I really am something special. (laughs) I'm Skeletor, (laughs) Itania's greatest villain. The greatest, greater than the greatest. No
5: one could be more great. That's what we all
4: think. (laughs) I'm Skeletor, Itania's greatest villain. He's
5: stronger than...
4: You. I really am something special! <laughs> you know, it's not easy being the best. Think of all the work I have to do. Conquering worlds, scaring people out of their wits, turning men into a fraud! Goody goody, trying to spoil my butt for ruining some deliciously evil plans. But that's going to change. I have some. what